not mean division in community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without also creating division in community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I am one of the team members here at Hill City, and I'm here with a fellow team member, <laughs> co-host, dad, pastor, whatever, John Wagler. <laughs> John, how's it going, the man? The intro mystery continues. I mean, dude. That's the best, one of the best parts of the podcast. It's so funny because it like, it's so, it's so relegated at the beginning and then just like part of the formula at this point is that it flies off the rails right at the end. <laughs> at some point, not having a formula becomes the formula. Yeah, exactly. John, how have you been? Uh, we'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> it's been a long run, it feels like, of yeah. things. And, uh, you know, you you sign up for this <laughs> in ministry and it's part of the reality. Um, but sometimes it also, like, it sneaks up on you in a big way. And... Um, Sometimes things just kind of merge yeah. all at the same time, and we're all going through that. Yeah, kind of stuff, so. yeah. You kind of mentioned on sun- this past Sunday during your message that um, we have three funerals this week as a community. Correct. Yeah, and we've been really uh, we've talked about this like as a staff, but like you know we've been really lucky the past what seven years, seven eight years, no seven years, right? Seven years, yeah. Seven years of like just not having a ton of loss, I think. Yeah, it's been here and there, not yeah. a lot. I mean, part of that is because we're such a young church, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, and so, but typically when something happens in our church, it's actually very unexpected, right. or you know, because we're a young church. So. Yeah, and it's kind of been all at once this week yeah. or these past few weeks. And uh, yeah, so I think that's how we're both doing. Yes. We're both kind of just <laughs> dealing with that. I kind of did, yes, uh, last night with my discipleship group, we kind of did like a highs and lows, you know, and it, it did make me realize, though, that it's kind of the low and the high. Yeah. Like obviously, yeah. grief and loss is not what anyone would choose for, you know, to wake up in the morning and think, today I'd like to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, for I don't know how you feel, but like for me as somebody who's, you know, on staff at this church, it's also like a great honor, right? Like to be invited into that very intimate space. It kind of, it's made me realize that uh, I secretly had like doula jealousy of my wife when she was a doula of like, you get to like be there in this really important moment for people. And though that's a much happier moment a lot of the time than loss. Yeah. It's made me realize that like, this is part of what we signed up for, for a good reason, like to be there when it counts, you know? Yeah. There's, you know, we just did, uh, Lydia Shay's, you know, funeral service uh, a couple of days ago. And um, yeah, there's a beauty to all of that, that uh, in those little moments, they're as sad as they are and as much mourning and grieving and everything for a three-year-old funeral. There was also a lot of beauty and um, light in the midst of it that is also important, you know, and to be a part of that. And so, yeah, the full spectrum of things is... yeah. What we've experienced. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and apropos to that, <laughs> this week, <laughs> we're going to, oddly enough, we're going to take like a, a listener um, suggestion. We put out an Instagram poll a couple of weeks ago on like, what would you like to hear about? And one of the answers was burnout. Yeah. And so it seemed like an appro- weirdly appropriate mm-hmm. time to talk about that. And yeah. honestly, we had planned this episode before um, some of this loss and like some of the stuff that's been going on. So God's timing is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into that, um, let's do our new segment for 2021 from 
the feed. All right, John. It's been going on in your in your feed. Uh, the social medias. The, the social medias. Um, hey, the Ryder Cup is this week. I'm a huge golf fan. Oh, and okay. so it's like the big team competition between America and Europe. Yeah. And um, so it's one of my favorite golf things. Yeah. I, so I was once asked, um, not once, I've actually been asked this a bunch of times, but like if you could be a professional athlete in any sport, like yeah. what would it be? And um, I always say golf. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I, it's, you know, it's, I mean, I love basketball. I mean, I played baseball in college. And then, um, I don't know, just golf. You can do it for a long time. You're outside. Like, one of my favorite things to do is one of my best buds, Kevin. Like, we we typically golf Wednesday mornings, and we just go out and we walk. And it's just four hours, or three and a half hours, of, you know, hanging out mm-hmm. and okay. having a little competition. And I don't know. I just love it. It's fun to watch. I enjoy it because... I don't know. I just love playing it. So I, yeah. So I you know the feeling like you're watching it on totally. TV and you know, but I sort of the completely, feeling. it's the same with baseball. I mean, I loved playing baseball in college, but like, I also understand why someone would watch it and think it's boring. Do you know what I mean? Can you watch sports that you haven't played? Um, like, like hockey's exciting, but could you watch it having never played it? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't it. like choose to watch it, but mm-hmm. I could, I could get into, if I'm with other hockey people, I mm. could get into it. Okay. Sport I cannot get into is soccer. I was about to say, cause world cup is weird. Cause I'm not really into sports yeah. at all, except for the one true sport pro wrestling. <laughs> um, and, but like whenever world cup comes around, if I'm around like soccer yeah. people, I like get psyched. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I just it's don't. a slow game. It can that, be a slow I, game. Yeah. I, I understand why like people love playing soccer and I could totally get that. And mm. soccer are great athletes, all those things. Yeah. And and I understand that mm. you know, people's like fixation with it. I just it bores me to tears. Yeah. And um, I just don't enjoy watching it. Interesting. Even after yeah. boys, Ted Lasso doesn't make you interested in I mean, soccer. I, love Ted I don't Lasso. know what was. We should do it. Have you watched the latest episode? Yeah. We it's, should have done an episode on that episode. Dude, truly. Because so many people hated it, but like there's no. some like super deep, well, like elements to it that I think people should take in. Also, look, people, if you hated the most recent Ted Lasso with with Coach Beard, I won't give anything away. But here's something you need to understand about TV: <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna have like a weekly comedy slash drama, there has to be filler episodes occasionally, yeah. and the filler episode itself is an art form. Yeah. And like there are bad filler episodes. There's a notoriously bad filler episode on law that show lost. That was a good filler episode. Doesn't mean it wasn't a filler. It was definitely a filler. Like the story didn't super advance for sure. And obviously it like shifted focus away from the sort of quote unquote main characters. Yeah. But like as filler episodes go, that was a good one. It was, re- it was excellent. You know, most filler episodes are like if you watch 90210 or any like those, yeah. they're always like, here we are back in the 50s. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a filler episode. Yep. But this one, I it was like so well done. So good. And like, there were little nuances to what they were doing that um, it was just really good. I appreciate, I knew it was a filler episode, but like, I appreciated how the writers were doing like the layer of depth into it. I'm telling you, it was an so, artful filler. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it again if you hated it the first time. Cool. What about you? Um, trying to think there is one really hilarious thing in my feed and especially since things are heavy i'm going to go ahead and keep it light on this one (laughs) um so recently uh marvel finally started like releasing movies again right like superhero movies Mm -hmm. sort of for the next phase as they say and the one that recently came out is called uh shang chi and the 
10 rings or something like that's like a kung fu take on superheroes and so you know a lot of the actors are actually most of the actors in the film are asian or asian american Mm -hmm. um and the the main guy the guy who plays shang chi it kind of like came out or like came up on twitter that he early in his career as an actor did a lot of stock photography like you can go on getty images and he's in a lot of the like (laughs) business guy pointing at laptop screen, you know? And so people started sort of like ribbing him good-heartedly by posting the pictures. And so he reposted one and said like, something like, if they could only see me now or, you know, whatever. Just kind of like, again, I think good-heartedly saying like, hey, I made it, mom, you know? Yeah. And now I'm I'm a superhero. (laughs) And um, either Getty Images or iStock Photos Twitter account reposted like, we always believed in you. And then he responded, well, then why don't you give me the thousands of dollars I'm owed in royalties for these photos? <laughs> so he like, like he made a statement, Getty Images or, or whoever the company was tried to like capitalize on it. Yeah. And then he burned them to the ground on Twitter. And it was it was the funniest thing ever. Like, you never it's one of those things where, you know, you never want to see unkindness, but like. When it's a single man who has worked, who there's evidence that as an actor, he's worked his way up from the very, very bottom. And then like a company of sort of faceless company, like if there's going to be a good burn, like that's a good burn (laughs) (laughs) because he's not even like coming for anybody specific. Uh, It was it was good. I laughed and laughed and laughed. (laughs) Cool. Well, um, yeah. So this week we are going to um, listen to you, the listeners, and talk about one of the responses to a recent Instagram poll on what you wanted to hear about. And that thing was burnout. Um, So we're going to take a short break, come back, and then talk about this big, very, I feel like burnout exists everywhere, but it's like there's a specific context for church of burnout. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Y'all know we stay curious over here. All right. And we're back. Um, So yeah, burnout. Again, I think that it has a wider, like that word means a lot of things to a lot of people. You can get burnout at your job. You can get parent burnout, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of things. Um, but probably today we'll focus on this concept of like church burnout, faith burnout. Yeah. Um, I will say like on the, you're right. Cause the, you know, a lot of people face this in their jobs in particular mm-hmm. where, you know, just getting overworked right. and feeling like you're, you know, worth anything or whatever because you just you're just working 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 and it's like you're on this incredible treadmill and you're yeah (laughs) going anywhere and that is like a reality that people um definitely face and certain things happen with their health you Mm -hmm. know and kind of mental state and everything whether it's like your cynicism increases and you're tired all the time or you know you're restless Mm -hmm. and you know or whatever it is and so you people do face burnout a lot they're even calling like this um I was reading an article a couple months ago that was talking about that this season of time in the wor- in the kind of working world is called the Great Resignation, mm. and it's people just resigning everywhere yeah. in their jobs, you know. And part of that's because of burnout. Part of that's the whole COVID stuff that you know mm-hmm. some unintended things that happened, you know, through all of that. And so this is like a, a burnout is like a real thing, and you are correct in the faith world and the church world. Um, there's also like a little different kind. Um, that I think is a little separate, mm-hmm. you know, than what people typically face within the work, kind of just general work yeah. world. Yeah. So I guess a great way to open would just be, can you share with me either like when you're in the working world mm-hmm. or 
since you've become, you know, gone into the ministry, maybe even in your own personal faith, yeah. has there ever been a time where you have experienced burnout? Yeah, so I've teetered. So in the, when I was in corporate world, I, I didn't. I, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I really enjoyed my job, and we had good balance with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently, I, I did experience it last year. Um, not full-out burnout, you know, to a level that I was going to quit um, or anything, but there was a – I've teetered on the edge a couple of different times, and last year was one of them where um, I did, like, have moments of, like, should I still be the pastor at Hill City? Like, mm. should I still keep doing this? And um, and so I actually wrote these down because I was, like, just in that time frame, what was going on. Um, when Ahmad Abre th- stuff mm. came out, I decided to do a post on that. That the video got shared a ton, mm. and um, and um, had people like different parts of the country like messaging me and like and stuff like that, both good and bad. Mm. Um, with that, and I um, and I always realized that's a thing, you know. Mm. So that didn't like fully bother me, but there was just a level of so that happens, and we kind of start getting involved. Um, a mentor friend of mine, you know. Um, t- took his life, mm-hmm. you know, in May. And then George Floyd stuff happened like soon after that. Mm-hmm. And then we were all involved in so many different ways with that here. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys as well. And um, we entered into that as a church, you know, and what does that mean to like step into this? And then through that though came angry emails, came um, anonymous letters, mm-hmm. came um, different things like that where we're trying to like, we're not trying to make political statements. We're, here we are trying to just lead people to like, what would Jesus want from us, you know, in a communal element. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, just trying to have that kind of heart. Um, even when we all went down to the protest, like, you know, shoot, I got, I caught flat for leading a prayer mm. of 75 pastors. It was myself and three other pastors leading 75 other pastors at a prayer near, near the Lee monument. And yeah. people sent me bad emails about that. Um, no good deed goes on. No, no good deeds. Um, COVID happens right. in the midst of all of that. Um, people get mad whether we are opening or closing mm-hmm. or what we are doing or not doing. Mm-hmm. Um, watching people um, that we had invested so much time into, mm-hmm. like over the years, simply walk away with no conversation, mm-hmm. become disconnected with nothing, or act like all the investment. Um, didn't mean that much, you know, that kind of thing. Um, election season comes <laughs> along and uh, um, that we all know what has transpired since then. And then still with the mask or unmasked and mm. vaccination or get back, you know, don't get vaccinated, like all this stuff. And there was just a level of all of those things that um, come. It was, you know, it was in December, but I was just I was like done. Mm-hmm. I was like. I was done. I felt my grace for people was really shrinking. Um, I felt my, um, I was like, my heart was hurt. Mm. Like, honestly, because I, you know, Lacey and I have like, when you're in ministry, this is like, if we wanted to run this like a business and I was a CEO and mm-hmm. in our congregation, we're just customers, mm. this wouldn't happen. Do you know what I mean? But because we want to run it like a church is supposed to be run, there is a connection with every person that comes into our building. Mm-hmm. And, um, and people don't realize this part about church. Um, because we see it as when someone's here, 
can we get to everyone or can we hang out with everyone? No, yeah. <laughs> it's not a reality. Literally not enough not, hours. It does not. Yeah. yeah. But every person that comes in, like we see it as an answer to prayer mm-hmm. and we see it as part of our community. We see it as um, we're going to make a difference in Richmond together. We see this as building God's kingdom together. Like that's how we see all of this. And, and so when someone just ups and leaves and doesn't like have like a nice conversation, even if it's tense, I mean, we don't care that it's tense, you know, or they disagree. Like it does hurt us. You know, there is like a, a piece that is kind of feels taken, mm-hmm. you know, from us. Um, when we've had people like just ghost, you know, yeah. been in our home or been, you know, yeah. we've, you know, it hurts. It really, it genuinely hurts. Not because we want butts in the seats it's because like we're, we're like, we want to do, we want to build God's kingdom here together. You know, mm-hmm. and so there's an emotional level that ends up happening that um, was just harder. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's like a good takeaway for people is because maybe some people don't really know this, but for the leadership of a community, I mean, a church, a nonprofit organization, your rec volleyball league, <laughs> like it's more hurtful when you just stop showing up. Like I would rather have a tense or even like outright uncomfortable disagreement with somebody who then says, as a result of this, like we're going to be leaving the community. Yeah. And at least like the respect of, you know, we're going to talk about it. Um, verse just like poof. gone. Yeah. Or when, yeah. Or when people never ask you a question. Right. I mean like, you know, you and I talk about this all the time and it's part of our staff and we always talk about like, we just want people to know Jesus and we're going to keep people like pushing pe- people towards Jesus. I or anyone else on that stage or whatever you, mm-hmm. like, we have not always gotten this right. We mm-hmm. have not gotten it right in this podcast. We have not always gotten it right, you know, from the stage, like we make mistakes and we get emotional and say some stuff too and, yeah. and everything. Um, but people like forget that part of it sometimes, like when we're interacting of like, hey, just ask a question. Mm. And we've had people leave our church that have asked questions or been mad about something, but they've asked questions and be like, ah, I just can't. Yeah. And I'm like, I respect that so much, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, but when it's just like, that's not there, that's not real community. Yeah. You know, cause like it's, it's interesting. We, we basically, um, we are only liked by a grouping of people for as long as we totally agree. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's what yeah. it, I mean. Like that's like the culture we live in. Yeah. So, but that shouldn't be that way in the church. Yeah, totally. No. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for me, I think that I've experienced it a few times in my life. Now I, um, you know, we don't have to bring the Enneagram into anything, <laughs> but maybe it's, it's convenient shorthand of like, my sort of personality type is like I emotionally tend to run very hot and then shut down Mm -hmm. like four wing five is the like big emotions. And then you deal with them by like going into book mode or, you know, sort of bookworm mode. Right. Yeah. Um, so since I, since my sort of emotional engine tends to run hot, it tends to burn out. Right. Um, especially when I don't take care of it. So it's funny. The first time I remember feeling burnout, I was young. I was like in ninth grade, ninth mm. or 10th grade. My mom was the youth pastor. And so, and and then she stepped down. Actually, she did a super, in retrospect, she did an incredibly smart thing. She stepped down as youth pastor when I went into middle school because she's like, 
he's not going to want me to be his youth pastor. Right. And so, you know, that was smart. But still, I was, you know, Miss Fish's son <laughs> sure. coming in, yeah. coming into the youth. Um, and um, I don't know. I just felt a lot of pressure to not be perfect because I was still, you, miss, you know, a problem, I'm sure, in a lot of ways. But just like play bass on the in the band and and um you know have a certain level of like discernment and like we started talking about spiritual gifts when i was like eighth grade which Mm -hmm. i think you know was an honest maybe an honest mistake or maybe not a mistake maybe it just affected me a certain way but like so now i've got this gift of discernment and like i know about you know when the spirit is moving and then like i'm playing bass in the band and all this other stuff and i can remember going on a mission trip an out of country mission trip and just being like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like at a pretty, you know, I was 14, yeah. 15 years old. And, um, I, I had a massive like meltdown with one of the leaders and was just like, I feel like people think that I'm like David, you know, like I'm supposed to come up out of the sheep's field and like slay a giant and then take over. And that was probably inflated teenage ego a lot. I don't think anybody <laughs> thought that of me, but, um, I can remember that being the first time of just like, I can't do this. Like I'm over it. Um, And then probably, you know, obviously at some point I sort of probably never fully recovered from that and kind of went on my journey, you know, Um, though I never, you know, fully was like, I don't believe, but probably wasn't walking it right for a while. Um, And then kind of came back around. And and the second time that it happened was right after Clarabelle was born. And I just, I don't really, it wasn't, it was more of the kind of burnout that we probably now as leaders are agitated by. And I bet the leaders at the church that I was at at the time probably rolled their eyes at me when I wasn't in the room because it was all in my head. Like I wasn't even really doing that much. I might've been like leading, I was an elder and like, I might've been leading like one committee or something, but it was a minimal time, you know, time constraint. And it was all in my head. And a lot of it had to do with stuff that like I've spent the last five years working out in my head theologically and and ideologically but after Clarabelle was born I just remember having this thing of like is this what I want to teach this kid (laughs) you know and that's a scary thing because so much of what drives me especially as a parent is like even on my days when I'm like reading the bible and I'm like this seems like nonsense you know we all have like days where we're feeling off I always was like but but like I want my kids to feel safe and have fun at church like I want them to have a space where they feel accepted and safe and are having fun and so very driven at a lot of points in my faith by like what my kids were experiencing Mm -hmm. and I just had this feeling of like I can't remember exactly it but I remember turning to Jenny and just being like I don't think I'm going back like and I don't I don't know I don't want to teach my kids about this like bloody execution why is this good news (laughs) like I don't this is I don't like this I don't like this anymore I, I I felt like I'm done making excuses for this. I don't want to teach. It was like I woke up one day and all of a sudden the whole thing seemed like a weird cult. Right. And, you know, now I've sort of obviously reconciled that it was just burnout and my brain was trying to make sense of an emotional. I was emotionally exhausted. And so my brain was trying to make rational sense of it by basically just being like, yeah, you're going to teach your five year old about like this. Mm-hmm. crucifixion or your three-year-old about like this crazy thing and said that somehow it's okay or good or yeah um and that was that was probably honestly that one was where the probably the worst of the three um in some ways because it was the only time in my life even when i was like you know some people know my story but like even when i was running around like 
basically being a criminal, <laughs> you know, like living so far away. Yeah. I just remember going to sleep at night and praying really short prayer every night. Like, God, hold on. Like, yeah. I just, I got to get this out. Or, you know, I just like got to figure this out, but I'll be back. Yeah. That time after Clarabelle was born was the only time where I was like, I don't think I'm into this anymore. Yeah. Um, or was close to the, the precipice. I was kind of peering over the cliff of like, I don't think I can buy what I'm selling anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think part of that too is because we create communities, Christian communities, where we don't allow people space. And we don't allow people space to like voice a frustration or voice tension or voice a struggle or whatever it is. And, and then you have this, like, you feel this weight of, you've got to have it all figured out. You got to be, you know, and, and there is a truth to like following Jesus is like, we are surrendering ourselves. Like he literally says that, you know, you, 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 when he talks about like denying yourself, you know, and taking him across, it's, we are in a, it's not just about obedience. It's about like, we're surrendering our lives, but what he, but that doesn't mean that it's it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you won't struggle. And it doesn't mean that, you won't have a little ebbs and flows. We just don't create that space yeah. enough. Like I, I want us to like for our church, it's like, I want us to have a messy community mm-hmm. so that when you are feeling burned out in your faith, you're still committed to the community because you know, this is the place to figure it out mm-hmm. and you don't feel the pressure. You know, um, I think so often, you know, we see this in pastor circles all the time. I, I once sat in a circle of 18 pastors, I think 17 or 18. And, um, I was uh, one of two pastors in the entire group who wasn't on depression or anxiety medicine, mm-hmm. hadn't had a full out breakdown mm-hmm. or wasn't thinking of quitting, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, but you know, even within the pastoral world, there aren't spaces to like be able to, f- to kind of fully be vulnerable and feel yeah. like you can be yourself, you know? And yeah. so when I mentioned earlier about like, I, I had just like teetering, you know, even last year, part of it, like I'd love to sit here and be like, I just prayed my way through it. And it was, and, and there was an element of prayer to, mm-hmm. to that. But there was also a piece where like, I could sit down with you and say whatever. I could sit down Lacey and I say whatever, or Joe or Kevin or Robbie, or like, I've got people in my life that just because I'm a lead pastor, like I can fully still be myself and express what's going on, right. you know? And that's such like a huge part of like, helping with with burnout yeah yeah and i think so sort of leading off of that my third burnout was i guess i don't know if it was the beginning of 2020 everything 2020 was 30 years long so time is skewed i think it was yeah it was after we went to israel right it was like the beginning of 2020 Mm -hmm. and um yeah i it was more of a mental health thing than a, than a faith crisis, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cause I just wasn't taking care of myself, but it had a lot to do with, I, you know, I was still the creative director here, but I yeah. was definitely, I had done the Enneagram training. I was talking with people one-on-one. I was like merging or like, or sort of like evolving into where I'm at now in some ways and feeling very pastory all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and it was a mix of like, I didn't, you know, feeling unqualified. So like I didn't go to seminary. I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't even finish college. Um, You know, I'm not qualified to do this. But also what you were talking about is I would look at somebody like you and say, make sure you have a safe space, but then wasn't securing one for myself. I suddenly turned around one day and felt like I'm not honest with anybody, the guys I play games with, the guys Mm -hmm. I do comics with, the guys I do music with. I'm not, I'm not honest with anyone because I'm afraid that my honesty will affect someone's faith. Yeah. 
And that's the like pastor trap. That's like the pastor burnout. And yeah. I wasn't even a pastor yet, right? <laughs> um, sure. And it was the, it's that thing of you turn around one day and you realize you are you're you are a half self to everyone, including for me at that time, including my spouse, because you're afraid that voicing a doubt or an unhealth will make someone in your life say, "See, it didn't even save you. What's it going to do for me?" Yeah, whatever that it is—the Bible, the yeah. gospel, Jesus—you know, which is a lie, right? Like people, what I've learned since then is like people appreciate when you're, um. Like nobody wants a counselor that's a mess, but at the same time, like people appreciate when you're honest with them about it. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly there should be people in your life who just see you as John or mm-hmm. just see me as Matt, not like as whatever yeah. you know, position my church, you know, whatever my position is at the church. That one probably physically was the worst one. That was where I had like a full on like sort of suicidal ish, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, um, ideation type. Yeah. Couldn't get out of bed, crying all the time. Um, but that was the one that I probably learned the most from, yeah. which was really good. Um, and probably, like, was sort of a – not that it was needed. I think that it was definitely a diversion from the path, right? Not part not not part of the plan. Yeah. But um, it was the one that I probably learned the most from and probably has helped me to be the most healthy from then. And, like, to your point about being with the pastors um, – and, you know, some of them being on medication. It was also the time where I realized that I had set up a – so I've done that journey and mm-hmm. continue to do that journey, right, with medication stuff. And it was the – it that was the moment when I realized I had set up a dichotomy in my head of I'm either on medication for the rest of my life or I, I buck up and get off of it. Yeah. When really it's like I probably at that time needed some extra help mm-hmm. and maybe some of it, you know, medical. Um, but But now, you know, I don't take right. medication yeah. and like maybe there'll come a time when I'm you know have a conversation with my therapist about being back on it for some reason but yeah. it's like it's it, that was when I kind of realized that for a lot of people not everyone like look if you're like there's certain types of bipolar like sure. schizophrenia yeah, like yeah. there are mental health issues that like un- you know you're just probably going to need medical help for you know in the long run but that was really like when I realized on the mental health side of burnout that like it's a knee brace like sometimes the weather switches and you you don't stretch right before you run and you just need a knee brace after that for a yeah. while. And sometimes you're good and you don't need to wear the knee brace. Yeah. Now, that was like a big revelation for me in my sort of like mental health journey with the medicine and the therapy and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I think too maybe one of the other issues happens with burnout that people run into is um, – when you kind of, from a faith perspective, sometimes you can get burnt out. Like you, yeah. you feel like you're just kind of at the end or to your point, like all of a sudden, like, do I really want to teach my kids this? And yeah. you kind of face some of this. And a lot of times people will immediately think, well, I got to deconstruct everything mm-hmm. and screw all this stuff yeah. and it's all junk, whatever. I also think it's important too to like breathe for a second mm-hmm. because the the way when we kind of read through scripture and how like the spirit of God works mm-hmm. in us. Truly, the spirit of God is always deconstructing us. Yeah. And and because the spirit's always leading us to truth, right? And so even in some of these moments where we get burnt out or we feel like, oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't mm-hmm. f-. It's like we need to breathe for a second, be honest with people, because more often than not, the spirit of God is like working in us mm-hmm. and we're missing it because we're just so focused on me. Yeah. You know, and... um rather than maybe taking a step back and like 
theologically, mm-hmm. being like, hold on, let me breathe here for a second. Yeah. Let me be honest about what I'm feeling. Let me ask, like, hey, God, is there something here that mm-hmm. I've, I'm... I've got to like face, you yeah. know, and understand. And how does this lead me to a closer relationship with you? And even for me at the end of last year, that was part of my process was like breathing for a second and, you know, spending some time in solitude and silence and like really being honest with myself and, and really be like, you know, as I'm praying, be like, God, will you like, what do I need to learn through some of this stuff? And some of it was, you know, Hey, like, the time you've invested in people, I know it feels like that they're crapping on you right mm-hmm. now, but like those were seeds. Mm. And you know what? You might have just planted them yeah. and you're not going to see the fruit from it, but maybe somebody else will, you know, mm. or those people that left. Maybe there was like a lot of hurt there that they don't know how to voice. So they took it out on you, mm-hmm. you know, or like even some stuff was like for me, I was like. I had to come to reality. I was like, you know, I've always tried to just push people to Jesus and the kingdom of God. Like that's been our fixation for years now. And, um, but I don't always say it right. And so I had, I started like going through and looking at like posts I made and different things. I'm like, maybe I could have said some stuff better that actually I might've been Mm self-induced like problems that I brought on, you know? And, and so there, there's a level of that piece too, that actually allowed me to take some steps into like having a better health with it. Well, and even thinking about like the energy that you put forth, right? Like when you're talking about words like push people towards Jesus, at some point you probably realize you're digging trenches. You can't make the water flow. Correct. Yeah. Like you're, you're creating paths toward Jesus. And when you get into that area of like I can not – and like you're not even forceful in your language and stuff. But right. like I can make the water flow. Yeah. That's when sometimes burnout can happen because yeah. – um, as you can imagine, like, just like if you were doing irrigation and like, you know, 700 years ago, <laughs> if you dig a trench and then nothing comes down, it's, yeah. it's disheartening, but that's kind of, you know, what, that's what we're, we're the, you know, we're the workers of the field, right? yeah. the workers are few. Yeah. Um, so I think another thing that probably I had to realize was the spirit and this maybe gets a little into mysticism <laughs> or like you know more poetic language but like the spirit is fluid like the bible tells us this like the spirit is not like when we get baptized we don't get baptized in dirt or rocks we get baptized in water um like when when the spirit descends on christ it descends like a dove not mm-hmm. like a i don't know a turtle <laughs> or like something well, it's also described as wind wind right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah spirit the word for spirit right yeah. is wind like um paul says in romans like you know the mind governed by the flesh is death and the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace right um matthew is confused when jesus is telling him you have to be born again in the mm-hmm. spirit um it's a fluid thing and whenever we let it get sort of frozen whenever it stops being fluid that's when we start bashing our heads up against a wall yeah. and we get burnout um i think like after looking back on it after clarabelle was born and i kind of had that sort of crisis of faith it was because i had really back painted myself into a theological corner of like it's either this or that and if it ain't this then it's absolutely that mm-hmm. um it wasn't fluid anymore i had the the spirit had i had frozen the spirit into place right yeah and so it, it set up this dichotomy and then uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you know i know that can be a slippery slope i guess into like just general spiritualism or whatever that's For that's sure. not the point you're not saying that there's no like you're not 
saying like, hey, you know what? Like Jesus dying and rising again. That's fluid, man. Yeah, like, right. Like, yeah. Know, like no, there's, but the, the feelings. Yes. And the just allowing yourself to wake up one day. I, I'll never, I know I've told this story before, so I apologize for those who listen have been listening to the podcast for a while. But one of the sharpest things I ever saw somebody say um, was it was this the singer of this band, Me Without You, who is known for being a strange guy. Um, but but a wonderful poet. And um, they were on a Christian record label, but like they kind of had differing, I think guys in the band had differing things. And people are, when you're on a Christian record label, people are constantly trying to like make you a pastor, but you're a band person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a musician, which is like, you know, almost opposite of the pastor in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, and we were hanging out b- behind the uh, the Canal Club before their show. And somebody came up to him and said like, aren't you guys like a Christian band? And you could tell they were a little accusatory about it. Like, aren't you guys like a Christian band? And he kind of like looked back at the other guys and they looked at him like, oh, what's he going to say? Mm-hmm. And he kind of thought about it for a second. And he goes, you know, today we really weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like walked away. <laughs> and it was this great answer of yeah. like, you know, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? What is this idea that like today I'm a Christian yeah. or whatever? You know, it's like, did you do anything like Christ today? Well, I didn't. I kind of failed at that. Okay. Yeah. Does that mean you're not a Christian anymore? No, not really. <laughs> like it wasn't very Christ-like. You're right. Yeah. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, I think that's the thing is like you, you burn out when you set up hard, fast rules for yourself, start judging yourself. And then, you know, the engine starts running hot when you yeah. do that. Well, and you also have to be honest with your own habits. Like, so that was like part even for me in last year was like, you know, just being honest about some of my habits. And I, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty disciplined person and, and, um, but having to be honest about some of the things, whether that's emotionally, physically, spiritually, mm-hmm. whatever, some of those habits that you have that can contribute to your burnout, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's not understanding the importance of rest and mm-hmm. Sabbath and solitude and silence or having people in your life or truly like even like physical healthiness, mm-hmm. you know, like going out for walks, totally. exercising, like mm-hmm. doing things that are good for your health, mm-hmm. you know, understanding your food related things. You know, there's there's so many things that also play into like our healthiness and and so it I think you know when I sit down with people even talk about some of this stuff I'll talk to them about like some spiritual stuff and mm. you know but we also have to have the talk of like you need to like fig- like what is healthy and what is unhealthy mm-hmm. like relationally spiritually emotionally and physically you know and coming to grips with some of those things because so many of the unhealthy elements lead us to burnout. Like mm-hmm. even take stuff like food. We'll just use that as an example. Right. If if you don't eat healthy, you're hurting your body, which hurts your mind, mm. which then you're more tired and you can't operate the way that you're supposed to be like operating. Yeah. You know, and so some of the stuff that we end up going through, it's like some of the answer is you just need to be relationally, emotionally, spiritually, yeah. and physically healthier. Yeah. You know? That's a reality too. Yeah, totally. And and to kind of tack on to that, the other big reality is constantly avoiding, you know, um, when we talk about like the shield of, you know, the in Ephesians, the Ephesians helmet six. of, yeah. yeah, Ephesians 6, putting on the armor of God, right? Mm-hmm. And it talks about, you know, the shield blocking the arrows of the, of the enemy. Like a lot of times those arrows are guilt. Mm-hmm. And shame, and shame, yeah. the, the the twin you know fangs of guilt and shame yeah. that are constantly coming at you. So you start eating better, and then you have an off day. 
how are you feeling about your off day? Yeah. Are you feeling guilty and shame? Is there a voice accusing you, right? Is yeah. there an accuser telling you, well, now you've failed or you're disgusting or whatever? Um, that every good choice you make toward physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental health, the accuser will be there saying, like, you're failing at this. You're not doing good enough. That was the big thing that I couldn't. It was funny, the gap or the, the bridge between those last two burnouts were um, after the thing when Clarabelle was born was when I was first introduced to contemplation. Now, it took me years to actually practice it, but it was when I was it was first brought up like, well, have you tried to just be still? It sounds like you're th- trying to think your way out of this hole yeah. and you need to just like be still. And then that last one where I, it was like a mental health crisis type of thing a couple of years ago the feeling was I had started doing that regular. This is when I'd started the bench and like the walking and, and I started to feel like you're failing at this. Like it, it's not, you know, I had a couple of days where I felt sad. I didn't feel seen. I had depression type stuff. And all of a sudden the voice in my head was like, well, how are you supposed to teach other people contemplative practice? If, if, if it's not even working on you, like yeah. you're fake, you're, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't a gentle voice saying like, Hey Matt, just stop for a second. You're, you're going to be okay. Just be still for a second. Let yourself be sad. You know, it was a voice that was coming in being like, you're doing this wrong. You're not sitting long enough. How can you, you know, how can you tell other people that they need to sit in solitude with the Lord when like you look at you, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, there's a fluid again, aspect of the lead up to burnout. That is you lower that shield and the arrows start hitting you. You know, you have to realize that every good choice you make, the devil is going to try to, like, yeah. tell you why you suck at it <laughs> to yeah. make you feel guilty and then burn you out. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. And I think some of these things that we end up going through, too, like even like this, we'll just use this week as an example mm-hmm. of doing the three funerals, you know, preach on Sunday, do three funerals um, and then just normal, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the other stuff and then parenting mm-hmm. and, all you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And we have a conference this weekend and all that that we're putting on. And on Monday, I was like feeling like very restless, like just um, stressed and and everything else. But then on Tuesday, like the the day of the first funeral, like coming out of that, I what I felt was, you know what? I have put in good habits and things. And part of this week um, is also like, a test to some degree mm-hmm. of like feel what I need to feel, mm-hmm. but do I also have the right parameters in my life to be honest and vulnerable and admit certain mm-hmm. elements, but do I have the right parameters that also allow for like kind of a freedom, a grace mm-hmm. and health to come out of this yeah. too. Right. Like, so even in some of these moments too, it's like a, like becoming aware of like, man, this was like an incredibly hard week, but did I, did I handle that week? pushing through it mm. or did I handle that week having the right boundaries and habits and disciplines and people in my life that I could not get through the week, but kind of like be in the week, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and then coming out of the week, you're realizing what kind of capacity you have. Yeah. So, and I think for me to close and then, you know, if you have any other thoughts, I think two things about burnout, if you keep a Sabbath, you're probably not going to burn out yeah. a real one. If you really yes. keep a Sabbath, it's much harder to burn out. If you're key, if you are setting aside one day, and when I say this, I literally don't do it. Like Jenny and I are terrible at taking a Sabbath. <laughs> like it's once a month, maybe we do this, yeah. right? If you can legitimately organize your life to once a week take a total day off, 
it does two things. First off, you rest physically. Second off, it allows boredom to set in. Mm -hmm. And boredom is a great motivator. You want to know why everyone – you know, look, there have been race issues in this country for a long time. You want to know why last summer everyone took to the streets? Because we were all home bored. (laughs) Boredom is this word that is like – sounds inert but is actually super powerful. When you let boredom set in one day a week, you suddenly, no matter what the next day holds for you, feel like, oh, my gosh. I don't care if I have to work a 12-hour day tomorrow and then lead a Bible study. I'd rather do that than sit here for another six hours. Um, So taking a Sabbath, but also, um, I don't know, you can push back on this because it feels a little too neat or you can agree with it. Generally, if you're on the verge of burnout, it's not because you're doing too much. It's because you're thinking too much. Yeah, You could probably have both. I mean, yeah, there's definitely an, an aspect of like your days are too packed. Yeah. But like this week has been pretty packed and I definitely need a break. But like six hours of nothing would probably do it for me. <laughs> well, to your point, though, you're if you took if you take a sabbatical, right. I, I mean, a Sabbath. Yeah. Um, it does. Yeah. It, it interrupts every like that's its intent. Yeah. And I think that the reason <laughs> so. the reason I say, like, like you said, probably not always everywhere all the time. Some people just do too much and they yeah. don't think enough, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just doing all the time, yes. not thinking. Yeah. But from what I've seen, burnout usually comes, and this is the mystery of like for church leaders of like, no one's doing anything, but everyone's burned out. How did that happen? Because when you're on the constant media feed, when you're constantly looking at Twitter, you're constantly looking at Instagram, you're constantly, even like, it's funny um, if you're somebody like me who like really values um, creativity and like process. So like when I watch like Ted Lasso, we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. like I love, I value the art of the filler episode. Yeah. Even stuff that is meant to make you relax is stressful. Yeah. You know, like, oh, there's so many, who among us hasn't secretly thought like, God, there's just so many good shows to watch <laughs> or there's just like so much sports to catch up on. Yeah. And it, it's like a low level stress. You're thinking about all the things all the time and feeling all the things all the time. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to turn around one day and realize that like once a week you take the kids to soccer practice and you work eight hours a day. Right. And somehow you're burnout. Yeah. Well, it's because your mind is going at a million miles an hour all the time and you have to take time to just let it go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- for sure. And I, I think having um, – some clarity and some honesty about what you really do mm. and, um, and everything. Cause I've been in conversations where people be like, you know, someone will be like, Hey, can I meet, can you meet with me? And I'm, and, and I'll like throw out something. Like, well, I'm just so busy the next few weeks. And I'm like, so busy, mm-hmm. like so busy, well, you know? And, um, in I their like, mind, they're busy. That's what I mean. Like yeah. you, like if that's your reality, then maybe you need to think a little differently about your reality, you know? And I think that there's, so, yeah, I mean, I think you need good habits. You need good people. You need to be have moments of vulnerability and honesty around this stuff. And um, and also understanding that um, these these times of burnout that we face or whatever, like also learning from all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just like if you go through it, it's like, what did I what did I learn coming out of this? You know, and what is like, how is it shaping me in a, in a different way, too? That's important. Yep. And when and if you do burn out, which is okay at all, it happens to all of us, please go to all of the people who depend on you and have a conversation with them. Don't just disappear. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it's your pastor saying, like, I'm going to have to step back from some things yep. or the 
coach of the kids' soccer team saying, look, little Johnny's going to have to take yeah. a break. We, our family is overloaded right now. Try not to ghost. <laughs> try to try yeah. to have, because that's, it's a good thing to, it's a good catharsis for you, but then it's also good for the people in your life to be able to continue to depend on you, even though you're at a hard place. Yeah. And I would say one last thing. That's go for it. it. Understand that burnout and identity go hand in hand. And, um, and so really having that conversation of when you feel burnout, like, what are you, like, what's that also saying about what you're placing your identity in? Mm -hmm. That's also like an important piece to wrestle with. That's right. The Thomas Wharton would say, when you say I'm burnout, the question isn't the burnout. The question is who's the I in the statement? Yeah. (laughs) What I, which one of you? (laughs) Um, Cool. Well, thanks so much to everybody for joining us. Thanks for um, submitting your suggestions for things to talk about. Obviously, it generated a great conversation. If you have questions, quips, comments, concerns, or quotes, you can send them to staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Make sure to rate and review us. Share the episode if you get a second so other people can get in on the conversation. And as always, make sure to stay curious. curious.